Hello and welcome to Subclass Act, a solo role-playing actual play podcast. I'm your host, James Schrall. Hello and welcome back, y'all, to another episode of Subclass Act. You may have noticed I went back to the old intro music, because I felt like it, and I was tired of hearing my own thing that didn't sound as good. Okay, so we are going to get into it real quick. I've got a um, call-in or two, I forget exactly, to respond to, uh, and then we're going to get right into it. Uh, I will say now the game we're going to play this week is Dungeon World, because I'm stoked about it. I've played pretty much all the games I have um, on the show in one way or another, at least in the one-shots and previous seasons and things like that. Uh, Non-sci-fi games, that is. Uh, So yeah, Dungeon World, because I'm stoked about it. I just wrapped up my uh, first ever campaign, which is a uh, 5e campaign that's been going on for a year and a half. And uh, we're going to be having a few weeks while one of the other um, people in my regular game uh, has a baby as well. And so he's going to be out for a few weeks. So we're going to have sort of a a short, maybe five session or so mini campaign. Um, And I let them pick the game and and they want to do Dungeon World because our next thing is going to be sci-fi. Our next campaign is going to be Starfinder, which I'm very excited about. So they set about doing Dungeon World. So I'm excited about that. I love Dungeon World. I play a game with uh, co-workers. It's been going on for a while um, at lunch on Wednesdays. Sometimes we only have about an hour and you can get a lot done with with that. Uh, yeah, so not don't want to go too much into that. Probably mentioned it before, but I just love Dungeon World um, and I've, I've been thinking about it. So that's what we're going to play today. But anyways, before I ramble too far, on to the Collins. Hey, James, Jason here. Congrats again on no member of your party. I just I had to pause the episode to call in. You were just talking about Troika. And I agree with you. The initiative system is genius. I've been able to play Troika online before, and the initiative system worked great. The the um, uncertainty uncertainty can't talk that it creates is wonderful. The randomness, I love that, and I love damage tables too. I think for me, part of it is from Middle Earth role playing and Rollmaster, where they had these great critical tables and you would roll in these critical tables and get all kinds of crazy results. I, I think that's maybe the start of damage tables for me. But, yeah, I'd, I'd be happy if the game was just all those kind of tables for damage. So, okay, back to the show. Hey, hey James, Jason here. Just finished the episode. Great. Really enjoyed it. Really likes where it's going. And I look forward to the next one. Take care of yourself, and I'll talk to you soon. Hey, Jason. Thanks. Yeah, it's it's funny about about Troika. Um, I, I'm I'm glad you feel the same way, and I'm not completely crazy. Uh, yeah, it's just so funny to me that just how uh, how it reads uh, at first blush for me, like prima facie, just so poorly. But in practice, it's awesome. And and the same way, like you said about the the I haven't played most of the other games you mentioned, but but yeah, about the the tables and it doesn't sound fun or look fun on the page, but in practice. It is. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's not for everybody. I, I think I met, I saw, um, uh, and his, I'm blanking on his name right now, which is bad of me, but um, uh, the creator of uh, Offworlders, which is a really fun game, uh, I think Chris Wolf uh, mentioned something about, you know, about hit tables and things like that. And just, you know, oh man, these tables are great. I don't know why not, people don't, you know, like tables. Um, you know, I, I get that they're not for everybody, but I don't know. I think they're really cool. So I, I'm with you on that one. And Troika is just a hoot. I think it's impossible to, to not have fun playing Troika, provided that 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 sort of fun is your thing. It's definitely zany and weird and silly. Um, but if you like zany and weird and silly, then it's, it's great. And I'm glad you like the direction that things are going. Um, yeah, I I felt felt pretty good about that last episode, um, but it's always hard to tell. I never know, I guess. But um, but yeah, so hopefully it's hopefully it's a good direction. I'm you know discovering the story as much as anybody else i don't plan it ahead of time so i i also have no idea what direction it's going to go and, and i'm kind of excited the direction that it's going uh there's just a lot of stuff i, I want to be able to figure out i want to know what's happening so uh, i'm glad you enjoyed that uh next we're going to get into a first time caller uh and um this this message really i don't want to say too much before uh before i put it up here but uh this message really tickled me a lot um it's nice to know that people listen to and enjoy the podcast. So without further ado, here we go. Hello, James. This is Sap coming to you all the way from Sweden. 
first of all, I just wanted to say congratulations to your new party member. I got two of them myself, so I know what you're going through, so don't sweat it. You take your time, be with your family. Uh, anyway, I just wanted to say that I've been benching your show for a couple of, I don't know, maybe a few weeks now, because I hate my job, so <laughs> your, your show is basically what makes me keep going during the day. Yeah, I just wanted to let you know that I love what you're doing, and I hope you keep it up. Also, I would like to add that you're one of the reasons I'm trying to make my own solo podcast. I must admit, I'm not doing very well at the moment, but I'm working on it. So, yeah, thank you. Oh, and also, I have a gift for you. So I would send over a copy of my Rules Light Settings Agnostic uh, role-playing game named Burst. And hopefully you like it and maybe you could feature it in one of your episodes if you wish. If not, at least you have another piece to your collection. So yeah, once more, thank you very much for doing what you're doing and keep up the good work. Hey Zap, I just have to say that when I got this call in, it, it totally made my day. <clears throat> For one, it's so cool <laughs> to have the podcast. I know, you know, with the internet, it, it doesn't seem like it should be a big thing, but to have the podcast go all the way to reach you in Sweden is just super cool to me. Uh, two, I'm sorry that uh, your things are rough at your job, but I'm glad that the show can provide uh, some comfort there. I I'm just amazed that the people, that anybody would binge watch the show. <laughs> so that's super cool to me. Um, because I, I, I think of shows that I that I binge watch, and that's super cool. I also look forward to checking out your podcast. Uh, but don't be too hard on yourself, um, because I always feel like the, the show, that I'm struggling with the show. So I'm sure it's better than you think. Um, and also, uh, if you've listened to my season one, you know how, how rough it is. So, um, you know, I, I, you, just, you just get better, hopefully, you know? Um, and I've, I've seen that. So the, the idea that the podcast is inspiring you to make your own thing is so cool to me. That's like one of the coolest things I could possibly hear, because as I've mentioned many times on the show before, it was, it was, um, I was originally wanting to make a podcast from other ones I was listening to. Um, I couldn't find people to play. And I was like, well, I, I guess I can't do this by myself. I didn't know solo role playing was a thing uh, until I saw, well, two things, me, myself and die on YouTube with Trevor Duvall, which is amazing and is also another show that gets even better over time. Each season is better than the last. And then two, when Tale of the Manticore came out uh, and I heard that and I was like, oh, it's it's totally possible to do this this podcast thing, but solo. Um, but uh, but yeah, don't don't be hard on yourself. I mean, those those two shows are better than mine for sure, um, you know, but uh, but at the same time, like Trevor's also uh, been playing a lot longer than I have, for example, and is a voice actor. And that's cool. And um, and John from Tale of the Manticore is a much better writer than I am, uh, and, you know, um, has much higher pr production values, but he also prepares things ahead of time. So it's just a different style. So it's, it's fine. It's fine to have your own style, uh, for the show. So I'm, I'm sure it's better than you think. It's super cool that, um, that, that inspired you. Um, so yeah, I, I looked through the birth system a little bit. I have to read more. Um, and so I'm, I am hoping to feature it on the, um, on the podcast, uh, uh, one of the next systems I have to read all the way through and, and get into the show for sure is mighty on mighty Thus from, uh, Jason nerds RPG variety cast. So I'm reading, I'm actively reading through it, but what I will use in this very episode, um, and I printed out, uh, separately, I'll print out the whole thing sometime, but even printed out separately, you have a lot of oracles in here. Um, and it's great. And there's, you have different genres and everything, uh, everything from, um, just, just the general Oracle, but then you also have hazards, which would be really cool. Um, and you know, I can even use sometimes the horror potentially with the fantasy or, you know, depending on how, you know, this thing is going at the rate, this uh, season is going, it could be just about any of these genres. Um, you've got places in here, you've got, um, uh, NPC generators. I, I probably should have separated them. I just stapled them. I probably should have separated them by genre. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, just for this session, I mean, uh, but yeah, I mean, very, very cool. And, and what I like is that they're, they're based on D sixes, which I love. Um, yeah, so very cool. So I will use, um, I will use the random tables, uh, for this session. Um, I'm, I'm not going to use the oracles only because I want to mention that I'm finally getting around to using 
the uh, Mythic Style Hexflower Chaos Emulator to go with my um, Mythic um, for the long overdue use of that from uh, Goblin's Henchman they turned me on to. So first time with the Hexflower. I still haven't gotten to play it in a, uh, in a session off air, so we're going to do it live. And I read through it before we started recording. Um, but so, yeah, but I, I likely will probably use the Oracle here from the Burst system in a future episode as well because it's, it's very, very simple, which I like. It uh, reminds me a little bit of the o- solo OSR where it's it's got no and, no, no but, yes but, yes, yes and on a D6, which is great. Um, and then, it you know, it's got, you know, various probabilities on here, which is cool that you add to the number, um, which, which I, again, I also like. You'll have uh, a way to do interrupts and twists, which is really cool. You have definitions for those. But I think you've got a really good, good, really cool looking looking game here, and I can't wait to get into the rest of it. But even what's really cool to me is that not only do you have a whole uh, a whole game system here, which is really cool, um, but you also have. I mean, these tables are are great for for solo. Um, so the, the solo thing for me is just like acquiring tables upon tables upon tables. So, anyways, I'm rambling again, but thank you so much for calling in. Uh, and yeah, I'm glad you enjoy the show. Now we're going to get into this week's episode. Well, the story part, we've already been in the episode, but you know, the other thing. Last time on subclass act, Thorin, uh, made uh, made it through the desert after he had gotten out of that pocket dimension um, with some struggle, had a little bit of uh, trouble navigating through the desert, took longer than he would have hoped. Finally managed to make it into the city, found the blind tiger, uh, which turns out not to be the nickname for a person or the nickname for a bar per se, but um, in the tavern, he found uh, an organization called the blind tiger where he met Deanne and was brought uh, into, uh, into a secret room in the back um, he knows that he is tasked with, um, well, originally t- trading the Desert Rose with them to try to get them to enlist their help, their organization's help, which supposedly they're friends of Thorin's tribe, to help them get back to, in this main quest, sort of to get back the uh, to the temple that was robbed of them. We don't know exactly where it is. Uh, we don't know a lot about that part yet. That part is still um, unclear. Uh he had originally been hoping to try to keep the Desert Rose because it's so powerful. We'll see how that goes. Um, they seem to be, so far, a pretty sharp organization, very clandestine. We don't know why yet. They're not exact enemies of the Pilgrims of the Single Mind. They don't, they're not free of its influence, we found out. But they are aware of the Pilgrims of the Single Mind. They've been around for a while, it, se- uh, it seems, or it seems likely. Um, he was also tasked by the Pilgrims with um, really trying to destroy the city with the Desert Rose for whatever ends they are. They're trying to uh, threaten to hurt the tribe, Thorin's tribe, if he doesn't comply. So it's going to be a, a thin, you know, a thin needle to thread here. Um, you know, but the other trick is that this area doesn't seem to be devoid of their influence, but fortunately, when he had found that uh, oasis, or more like a, a mental haven um, for just a moment there, he was able to rest uh, and realized that um, he was free of their influence for a little bit. They haven't so far returned back yet. Um, so who knows what that means? Maybe when they lost contact, they did something horrible. Maybe not. Maybe they don't really have the power to do what they say they have to do because we're dealing with so many illusions. It's hard to know. So we're going to get into it. Today I am using, as mentioned before, in, in addition to the random tables from the burst system uh, from Zap uh, in Sweden, I'm also going to be using the uh, uh, Mythic Style Hexflower Chaos Emulator, uh, which is meant to go with my uh, handy dandy uh, Mythic Emulator. Um, so we're going to be using those two two things along with playing Dungeon World and of course the Perilous Wilds, because of course, because it's one of my very favorite supplements of ever. Um, so yeah, we're going to start with the Chaos Factor at 5 in the middle of this Hexflower. This is also my first time using a Hexflower. It's long overdue. I think it's a cool idea. So. Let's get into the roles. I am learning it live, um, but it's it's pretty clearly um, marked here as to what we need to do. So the first thing we're going to do is uh, um, start with the scene setup. So it's sort of like starting with step two, but um, I, I kind of understand how they work here. So what we're going to do is we're going to roll our d10, but we're also going to roll our normal um, way that we move from hex to hex when the uh, chaos factor goes up and down um, so that we can see... Uh, yeah, really, so that we can see what we trigger. So um, we have the D10, 
that we're going to roll here. Uh, we're also going to roll, let me see, where's the D10 runoff to? There we go. We're also going to roll a D6 and a D8. All right. So we're going to roll the chaos factor is five. We're in the middle of the hex flower. Okay. So what we end up with is the D10 is a nine. So it's the procedure number one. If it's, it's above, then we're going to proceed to a normal scene. Um, well, what we need to do is to check the others so that we got doubles um, and they are sixes. So if, it, if the repeated D would, if the repeated digit rather would be lower than the current chaos factor, then there would be a random event. In this case, we have no random event. The scene progresses as normal. Okay. So uh, we have different dice sort of. They go with the, the yes or no answers as well here, which is cool. Like the, the chaos changes the dice and, and the, the possibilities, the probabilities, which is interesting. Um, so on a five, we'll have two D8 and a uh, D6 normally for our rolls instead of the normal uh, D100. Okay, one of the first things I want to know, even though he's had a little bit to do uh, here with um, Deanna the Blind Tiger, they've been talking a little bit. I want to know a little bit more about um, a little bit more about this NPC. So I'm going to use some tools from the random tables here from uh, the, it's a D66 table uh, with personality motivation uh, verb and noun, which is really cool, um, from the burst system, as mentioned before. Um, I've also used UNE, which is really good, another good free supplement, but uh, let's try this one out. So I want to know a little bit about Deanne's personality. So 3-2, so he is patient, that makes sense with sort of this clandestine organization. He's patient, and what about his motivation, verb and noun? One, six, to weaken, and then the noun, three, five, weaken, faith. Okay, yeah, I think I know what this means. So uh, his motivation is to weaken faith. Uh, he tells Thorin, he says, I'm sure you're wondering what we do here. You could say he's wondering what exactly you think it is you do here. Um, but office space aside, um, he's, he says, yes, we, you're probably also wondering how, why we're familiar with the pilgrims. I'm sure you had never seen them before you encountered them. You see, we, we keep track of, of all of these things, of these, these illusions. The wool has been pulled over our eyes for, for decades, at least, perhaps even centuries. It's hard to know what is real and what is false. The reason we keep so secret is that our job, our sworn sacred duty, is to discover the source of these illusions, to seek them out, to undermine them. You see, part of what you don't yet realize is that these illusions are not merely external forces acting upon us. No, we, we buy into them. We collectively continue to will them into existence. Yes. There is an external force, I'm, uh, I'm sure of that. But we also intentionally and actively participate in it. So I think what this means is that it's not like the Matrix, it's not just an illusion and people are unaware of it. It's, it's sort, of, sort of like the Matrix, but that people participate in it, and if they didn't, it just, like, not even rebelling. Like, if they didn't want to participate in it collectively, it just wouldn't happen. There are forces, though, that would seek to eliminate us. For if enough people don't believe in the illusion, we'll all come crashing down. There are also those who are scared to discover the truth. We don't know what is real and what is not. We don't know what lies beyond. We don't even know, or at least most don't even know if we are on the material plane or not. Is this heaven? Is this hell? Is this some sort of a dream? Is this just a story that an old man is telling a crowd of half-interested onlookers? What I want to know is, does he reveal, does he have any knowledge of of what this really is. Is this the, really the material plane? Is this an illusion? Like, does he know that, or is he still looking for that? I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it's, uh, this This uh, has been around for a while. It, it, I'm sure it's possible that they at least have a theory. That's really the question I'm gonna ask is, do they have a theory? Not do they know 
for certain. I think it's somewhat likely that they have a theory. So we're gonna go to somewhat likely on our Chaos Factor 5. We're gonna roll our 2d8 and our d6. All right, do they have a theory? All right, so we get here, uh, let's see, a total of 12, so a total of 20. So uh, let's see if I'm, let's see if I'm doing this right here. Okay, so actually, but that's, that's interesting because we that means this it's a no, and not only is it a no, it's an extreme no. I am a patient man, Thorn. But we have been looking for centuries. We still do not know what lies beyond this illusion, this curtain drawn over our eyes to keep the truth from us. I have been searching, my father before me, his father before him, countless generations, it seems. And yet we must continue forward. We must continue the work. Thorin looks at him and says, there is more, of course. I had a friend who, well, is now lost. Lost to a mage dealing in death and minor illusions of his own. You see, he he managed to conjure a tower and bring light down. He's the first one who mentioned these illusions to me. Perhaps you are familiar with this mage, Ferdinand. That's an interesting question. Does he know Ferdinand or did he know Ferdinand? Is he related to the person who was leaving out the books? I mean, we said that was the death mage, but maybe there's more to that story that we didn't know behind the scenes. Were they, I mean, it's possible they were aware of all kinds of things going on, but I, I don't know. So I'm gonna say 50-50. Okay. Uh, let's see, we've got seven, a total of seven, which is uh, yes, and not only is a yes, it's an exceptional yes. Yes. We, you see that the Death Mage was not originally the one leaving out the books. That was originally our doing. Unfortunately, in his thirst for knowledge, Ferdinand became less discerning of what he was reading and what he was studying. Eventually, the the Death Knight managed to steer him towards his control, giving him the very powers that he would later use to manipulate him. Of course, we would never participate in such an illusion, but we have to admit that it was at least masterful. You say this mage has been defeated. Are, are you sure? Yes, I'm quite sure. I had the pleasure of removing his head from his shoulders. To this moment that Deanne kind of like looks at him a little bit more closely. I don't think his face shows it, but inside like his eyes widen just a little bit like, oh yeah, this is a pretty big guy. <laughs> um, yeah. Interesting. So yeah, they, they, they fight these illusions. There's more that we should show you. I don't know what it is though, so let's see. Let's see what we've got here. Let's let's see what we can get into on some tables. We might use for this one. Uh, we might use uh, some of the just the word, the noun verbs from um, sort of the noun the noun verb from uh, Mythic here. I think. So let's get our trusty D100 going. We'll get a noun or a subject verb or an action subject, rather. So the action, 97, transform, 37, transform business. Hmm, some another room, transform business. Let's see. Well, they act almost like a thieves' guild. I don't think they're necessarily a thieves' guild. Transform business. Let's see, and they, and they have a a desire to, to remove illusions from things, transform business. Hmm. Yeah, I think in this case, it's, it's just that they're, they're in the business of, of removing these illusions. So here, I think that they, um, 
Yeah, I see. I, I think I, I think I know what this is. So he uh, is led by Deanne into this uh, other larger chamber, this other room, and there are lots of people wearing the same robes. Um, some of them have like extra, uh, some slight extra tassels, ornamentations, and like medallions and things like that. It seems to be some sort of like ranks, sort of a system. Yes, those of those who are who have the eyes open enough to desire to see the truth and to seek the truth. They come to us. This is our main main objective as we seek to, to teach others of these illusions and to, and to have them come in and, and to free them from the shackles. So really, they, they kind of have like, they're almost like truth monks, I think, in a way here. Um, but they're sort of a secret society. So they have, so it's not that, again, there's not that they're like, I had originally envisioned, like I said, as a thieves guild, but I think it's just that they're a clandestine, clandestine, almost monk-like society, um, but it's not necessarily, like, it's not necessarily religious, it's sort of that philosophical, it's, but it, it's, it's that sort of idea. So they're not exactly clerics, I don't think, although maybe they are, maybe they do have some powers. I mean, Thorin says, um, I, I see, you seem to have a, a clerical society, a monastic society here. Tell me, are you able to perform the divine arts, as it were. Thorin has no idea what to call this. Like, he, closest he has is the shaman from his village. They don't have clerics or anything like that. Um, he's not really aware of anything like that, so he's trying to fish for the language. Um, that's a question that I think that we should ask. Um, are they clerics, basically? Do they have this power, at least some sort of a power? Maybe not a traditional cleric. Maybe they don't necessarily have healing, but maybe they have sort of... I'm thinking maybe they're kind of like um, which works to do this in Dungeon World. This might be hard to pull off in other games, I think. But um, maybe they're kind of like the opposite of the Illusionist from AD&D or Castles and Crusades. Maybe they're kind of the opposite of that. They only really have the Dispel Illusion kind of a thing. Which, who knows what that does in this world. Um, let's see. Do they have those powers? I think it's unlikely. There doesn't seem to be any sort of clerics so far in this world. I'm not sure that's it. I think it's unlikely, but let's ask. We get 15... Uh, which is a no. It's not an exceptional no, but it's a no. Uh, it's nothing, nothing so overt and mysterious. We simply learn, uh, seek to learn and to record what is around us and to, to put the pieces together. I think at this point, do they know about the Desolate Rose? So I think Thorin asks him, like, what are they... How are they planning to use it? Um, and I'm going to use... Um, I'm gonna use the motivation table because it's kind of like the, it, it works. I think more for more than just even motivations. I think it works um, kind of like the the mythic table that I just rolled on. So let's let's do that. Let's get um, the motivation or what they want to use the desert rose for. The verb is six one, which is embrace, and the noun five six, embrace wrath. Hmm. Interesting. Embrace wrath. Let's see. I, I think they they want to use it as a weapon, or maybe they want to bait somebody using it as a weapon. Embrace wrath. Oh, yeah. You know what? I think I know what this is. I think I know what this is. So he says. Um, Thor Thorin asks, "What do you?" intend to use the Desert Rose for. Hmm. Yes. I'm not sure if Deanna's going to answer that straightforwardly. They're they're into the truth and not the illusion, but they can't trust anybody. They are clandestine, so, and secret society. So, I think what we're going to do in this case is maybe a parlay. I think this might be a, might be a move that's triggered here. Um... Yeah, I I've, haven't done any Dungeon World moves yet, um, like Spout Lore and some of these other things, uh, Discern Realities. Uh, yeah, I think first we're going to start with a parlay to see if we can just tell him. That's, I think, the first roll here. Uh, so let's see, 2d6 plus, uh, let's see, what is this? 2DC, uh, 2d6 plus Charisma, and the leverage is that he has the Desert Rose and, and they need it. Alright, Charisma is not really his thing, so it's a, oof, okay. So it is a four total, so that is a miss, which means it is a failure, and I'm going to mark an experience. 
I also leveled uh, Thorin up to level 3 to be even with the other games, and ironically, he had, before being level 3, the same health as uh, in Warlock. Surprisingly, uh, now he has one more than that, but... Okay, so yeah, uh, so that is a failure. Um, I do have a ran I do have random tables for the misses, but I'm going to try to stay in the fiction as much as possible um, with with the failures here. I think Deanne kind of looks at him and, and um, I'm not sure that we are quite ready to trust you enough yet. I think that the the downside here is that Deanne is now looking at him kind of suspiciously. It wasn't necessarily before, but just the act of prying into what they're doing makes him already a little bit suspicious of Thorin, and I think that that's going to hurt this relationship here um, a little bit, the fact that he's prying. I think, though, that Thorin is going to try to see if he can piece something together. He's not going to be able to, like, oh, okay, well, he won't tell me, so I'm just going like, to look around and get all the answers. But I think at this point he's going to just take a look around and see if he can figure out maybe what's going on here, because maybe they're not being fully honest with him either, right? I mean, how does he know he can trust them? He's He was sent here, but how does he know he can trust them? And what's their relationship with this tribe from the past? That's what I'm curious about as well. So, uh, I think there's really two moves that just happened there. One would be to see if Spoutlore, if he knows, and we'll get there in a second, if he knows what the relationship would be in the past with this society. Like, did... Um, did Armas, which I think it was his name, that's a long time ago, um, did the shaman tell him what that was, or did he grow up hearing that story at all? It was mentioned. Um, but first, let's let's have him look around the room and see if he can kind of figure out somewhat what they're up to. Again, it's not going to be able to just like figure everything out, but just get some idea. Uh, let's see. That gives me. Uh, let's see. It's two d six plus wisdom which is only so-so for him, so he gets an eight. So that is a mixed success. So on, a, on an eight, I get to ask one of these questions. Um, what happened here recently? What is about to happen? What should I be on the lookout for? What here is useful or valuable to me? Who's really in control here? What here is not what it appears to be? I actually also get an extra one um, from one of my barbarian moves, one of the new ones. Um, or maybe I didn't take that one. Actually, I didn't take that one, so never mind. Anyway, I wouldn't have used it anyway, I don't think. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I think the question is, what should he be on the lookout for? Um, hmm, who's really in control here would be another interesting one. It's probably Deanne, but it could be an external factor. But I think, hmm, I think what I'm really gonna have to go with here is the last one. What, is not, what here is not what it appears to be? Which is a somewhat ironic question to ask of a society who is bent on dispelling illusions. Uh, but they seem to not be fully committed to that in some ways. So, we're going to ask the burst system um, motivation verb and noun again. So what here is not what it appears to be. 3, 6, create, 4, 1, create, slavery. Oh no. Okay. I don't think this is literal slavery, by the way, just as a, just right off the top. Um, create slavery. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think that Thorin starts to get pretty sketched out, actually. Because Deanne talks a big game about dispelling all this illusion. And it, there's certainly a big group of people walking around. And he and he seems... It seems like they, they have a large, essentially, army. Um, and a big following, and they've been searching for hundreds of years, and they weren't able to figure anything out, and yet Ferdinand was able to figure out how much stuff was an illusion. You know, they were manipulating him a little bit. I'm starting to think that maybe they do know what's up, or maybe they don't, but maybe Deanne isn't telling the full truth here, and is using it instead as a weapon. Maybe he's given up on his ancestor's quest in a way, but is still using the search for it to gather all these followers and, and De Desert Rose embrace wrath. I mean, they didn't tell him. So so Thorin can't piece these two things together, but we can. That maybe he's not being entirely honest and he wants the Desert Rose for nefarious purposes, which we would know that maybe he's not just trying to blackmail in a way the city, which is what I was going to say before. Uh, blackmail the city in order to like dispel the illusion. Maybe he thinks that they are. No, maybe it's not that. Maybe he just wants the power. 
over the city. Maybe he wants to be the ruler. I think Thorn is pretty suspicious of him as well at this point. Hmm. Yeah, I think Thorn is going to be kind of guarded. Maybe Armas didn't tell him everything. Now, I do think he's going to um, spout lore um, as he tries to think back to see if he remembers something Armas may have told him more about this group. Because um, I'm not sure th really that Armas really wanted to fully trust him. They just needed their help. This sort of army that they seem to have actually amassed. Um, so, yeah. So, we're going to roll plus... I believe this is a plus intelligence, which is also not necessarily a strong suit. However, I rolled a 10. So on a 10, um, normally the GM will tell you something useful and interesting. So it's allowed to be useful and interesting. So I'm gonna, again, I, I just love these random tables. I'm just gonna keep rolling for the moment on these um, ne uh, verb noun tables. Uh, let's see, one, one, overthrow. 3-3, overthrow, love. Something about overthrow love with, um... Okay, yeah. I think that, um... Overthrow love. They, they said they were allies in the past. Overthrow love. I think that maybe, um... Love here in this case, I think more has to do with what they, what uh, Thorin's tribe, for uh, for example, wants, which is to get back this temple and overthrow love. I think before they aided, he told them that they aided in some way. Um, they helped in a fight to, um, mm, okay. You know what? I think that they helped in the in an earlier attempt to um, to conquer the temple or to, to conquer back the temple that, that, that was taken from them. Uh, and they were their allies in that fight. What I think though as well, um, let's see. But let's see, I, I wanna be sure. Cause I, I think that it's possible that they they acquired something from that raid that is that would be useful to get back into the temple. And maybe they helped them acquire this, uh, acquire something. Well, I wanna know if that's true. I, I'm gonna say 50-50, I don't know. It could have been something else. Um, all right, 50-50, that is an 11, which is a yes. It's not an exceptional yes, but it is a yes. So yes, they were able to, um, they were able to steal something or, or get something back from from whoever, you know, conquered Thorin's tribe uh, and took their temp temple away from them. I, I kind of want to know what that thing is. Let's see what we've got here table-wise. You know, let's not jinx a good thing. Let's just keep keep going on these verb-noun tables. I love these. Three, five. Interact. Something which interact, four, six. Interact, harmony. Oh, interesting. Interact harmony. Okay. Um, so they helped him. They, what they were able to acquire, they were able to acquire some sort of an artifact, maybe like a an orb or a scepter or something like that. You know, I think it's a shield, actually. It's a shield, but it, there's more to it than that. The shield itself connects them with the temple. And, yeah, the shield itself connects them with the temple. Um, it lets them kind of know the status of things. It, 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 it forms some sort of a, a magical link in a way, um, and almost like a spiritual link for his people as well, that um, they can use to restore the harmony. Um, it's like their last link to, I think, um, to their sort of harmony as a people. But I think there's more to it than that. I think the reason why, the reason why the Blind Tiger Society here uh, is interested in it, it must, mm, you know what I think? I think that the shield dispels, like the shield has a power to dispel some of these illusions in a way as well. Now, I don't think Thorne's people fully understand that. They don't understand the connection, but that's historically why um, 
Yeah, that's historically why they um, fought side by side. Thorn doesn't know that part for sure because he's only heard about the illusions recently. His people aren't aware of that part of uh, of the story of the temple, but that must be why the blind tiger decided to aid them in the past. And I think that they probably wanted the shield for themselves, but one way or another couldn't come away with it. Um, which is one of the reasons why maybe this is this is why they thought they'd have to bribe them to help them again because they wanted something in exchange. And they feel like they're owed something, maybe. I think at this point, Deanne says, um, now, you said you were brought here to bring the Desert Rose, and we would be willing to help you in exchange for it, as per the agreement that your, your shaman wanted to make with us. As you can see, we have many here. We are trained in many things more than just to learn a way to bring down the curtain of this illusion. We would be able to aid you take back the temple. I know that together we were not able to do this in the in the years past, but we have grown stronger and stronger in number now, which Thorin notices and is trying not to, to show that he is sketched out by that. But we, I believe that we have the sufficient numbers and expertise now to help you with this. Okay, Thorin is definitely sketched out at this point and does not, I don't think, want to give the desert, I think he's, his original suspicion is true, like he wants to see if there's a way um, that he can get around this. And so I think Thorin starts by saying, uh, yes, of course, in, in time, in time. I think though that um, I wish to know a little bit more about these illusions. Perhaps you can show me some of what you've learned and I can compare it to what I, I learned from Ferdinand. Yeah, I think this is actually a, def this is kind of a defy danger. I know that Deanna is patient, but he also like knows what he wants and Thorin is extremely overwhelmed. So I think this is actually a defy danger charisma. I'm not sure I've ever rolled before. I, one of the reasons I, ch I knew this would be more of a social episode, and this is one of the reasons I picked Dungeon World for the game today, because um, it, it being fiction first and, and having some mechanics and things for, for things like that. So yeah, I think Defy Danger Charisma, which is, again, Charisma's not really, you know, he's a barbarian. <laughs> Charisma's not really his thing. Um, he has a minus one in Charisma, but I think, we, I think that's what we've got to do. Yeah, Defy Danger... 2d6 minus 1, so it's a 9 minus 1 is an 8, so it's a partial success. So you stumble, hesitate, or flinch. The GM offers you a worse outcome, a hard bargain, or an ugly choice. Yeah. I think he staves him off for now. He says, um, look, Thorin, if we are to do business together as it were, I will share our secrets with you. But I'm afraid that I, I must have the Desert Rose first. I need to know that we are going to be allies. Surely you can understand that I need to know for sure that I can trust you. We don't give our secrets away to everyone, just as you would never give away such a powerful artifact to just anyone. You know, I need, to, I need for you to seal our agreement by giving me the Desert Rose, or... I'm afraid you'll have to leave without our help. Perhaps I am weary from traveling. Perhaps you can give me some time to rest and to consider, to not make any rash decisions. This is weird for Thorne as a barbarian. I think he's way out of his depth uh, trying, you know, any rash decisions and perhaps then we can, we can speak more. I think we've established Deanna is, is patient, and, and I'm sure he'll he'll go for that. So Thorin will be able to push off the decision for a little bit, but Deanna doesn't waffle, um, and I think Thorin's not sure if he can if he can trust him. But basically, give him the rose, or you know, not going to show you any secrets, and you don't have their help, or you can leave with the desert rose. I think Thorin is is trying to buy some time. Yes, yes, of course. We will finish our arrangement later. Of course, you need to rest, surely. We will lead you to a room. So they lead him, I think, to like a cell. They set him uh, 
uh, they set him up with, uh, like, not a jail cell, but like a, a monk's cell, right? They set him up with basic accommodations. Uh, I guess one thing I want to know is, is he in a room on his own? Or, or is the, he, does he have a cellmate? I think it's somewhat likely that he would be on his own, because they don't want him to suspect anything. Um, yeah, I think it's somewhat likely he's on his own here. Uh, that is a 13. Um, so just barely, but yes. So yes, it is a, it is a solitary room. Um, so he has his stuff. I think at this moment, um, he's going to discern realities because I think he's convinced that they may be trying to spy on him in here. So he's going to try to see if there's any, like, peepholes or anything. Like, you know, it's, it's not sci-fi. He's not looking for wiretaps, but it, it's kind of like that. <laughs> so 2d6, and I believe it's plus wisdom for discern realities. Let's see. Well, that's not great. Um, that is a five plus, um, it is wisdom, which he does not have a bonus for. So five is a failure. Okay, so I'm gonna mark experience. I think he's looking around, he's looking around and, um, well, we also need to know as the, as sort of that, that GM as well, if they're one, are they really, you know, are they really spying on him? Um, you know, he won't have discovered for sure, but we need to know anyway. Uh, so let's get our 2d8 and our d6. Um, are they spying on him? I'm going to say it's likely. It's likely that they are. Uh, interesting. Okay, so we get a 16, which is a no. However, as he's looking around um, and um, he, he... Yeah, he's looking around the room for... Um, any sign of anything. I think he makes a lot of noise. Um, and somebody else comes in to check on him. Um, somebody else from the order comes in to check on him. Uh, let's find out who, who just busted in here. Let's get another, let's get another NPC from, from the birth system here. Alright, get our 2d6. This person's personality. 5-1. They're caring, okay, caring, motivational verb, 3-1, uh, to acquire, and then they're motivated to acquire, 5-5, five, five, acquire, sloth. Okay, they're caring, motivated to acquire sloth. I think in this case what this means is, um, this is somebody who's sort of a, yeah, he, he comes in, I'll reveal it in a minute, so, um, you know, what is, what's this noise? And he eyes them very suspiciously, um, and Thorin, um, Thorin says, uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I, uh, was just trying to get settled in here, um, yeah, I'm clumsy. He's kind of a big oaf, I think that's kind of believable, but he's, the problem is that this person who's normally caring is going to be suspicious, I think it's the, it's the main consequence, he's going to keep an eye on him. Um, uh, yes, you see, yes, you don't seem to be this city-going kind of person. I think this person's kind of a healer. Not a supernatural healer, but this is sort of a... So he's sort of a medic, I guess. Maybe maybe not maybe not a full physician, but... Um, but he's definitely eyeing Thorin suspiciously at this point. Okay. Well, I think that was kind of the end of a scene. We're going to get a new scene um, as... You know, he deals with these accommodations of this new person, so I uh, maybe should have done that before, but either way, we're going to roll the scene now. So, we're going to do something new. We're going to grab one of our D8s and our D6 um, for the Chaos Factor Tracker to see which of uh, uh, the next hex we move to, what the next Chaos Factor is going to be. Um, and we get to, you know, if it's if the chaos is increasing or decreasing, I think he was out of control for the most of that. I think DM was in control and things are... You know, worse than they seemed. It seemed before like things were finally trending up and he was finally safe, but I don't think that's really the case anymore. So um, the chaos actually is the the um, chaos would be trending up. So we're going to use that series of instructions. So we're going to roll our d6 and our d8. So the next hex, ooh, double ones, um, which in this case is two. So they're not double ones, but it's two, which moves us down one. So actually, the chaos factor, uh, I believe, goes down to three. Interesting. Okay. And we roll, in general, we rolled a d10 and two d8s for, for this chaos factor. Okay. 
Oh, yeah, and we need to, um, so that was for that roll, and I rolled, well, there was two ones, it was a double under the chaos factor. Now I'm going to read a, roll a, a d10 to see if for the interrupt. It was a six, which is um, above, but because the d6 and the d8 were below, we do start with a random event. So there is an interrupt scene here, um, or not an interrupt, but there's a, um, a random event triggered. Okay. What is our random event? Let's grab our D100. Go back to Mythic for the random event. So the event focus, 62, which is PC negative. Okay, great. PC negative, and the event is action, 92, vengeance, uh oh, subject, 85, vengeance, technology okay yeah so I think that this new NPC that just came in recently let's give him a name let's use the perilous wilds for this from the name every person section we're gonna grab something that is loose a name that is loosely based on finish in a section roll a d100 this sort of healers name is 92 Tato T-A-I-T-O, Tato. So we'll write that down. Tato, the healer. Or medic. Okay, I think what's happening here, what's, what this, this scene is that, um, what I wanna know is, is it this, is what I'm thinking of, which we'll get into in a second, is it this person, or is it somebody else who's gonna come in as well, now that there's a commotion um, and participate in this. So we'll grab our D10 and our D8s for our Chaos Factor 3. So is it the is it a separate person? We'll say 50-50, separate person. All right, and we get a 12 plus nine, we get a 23, um, which is a, an extreme no. Okay, so it's the person I'm thinking of, it's only this person, um, okay. So the event that happens here is, um, okay. So it's not a separate person. So, um, but it was an extreme no. So maybe it's not even this one guy. Yeah. I, anyways, I think what happens is that this person, Tato, which hopefully I'm saying that right, but whatever. Um, Tato comes in and, um, he says, um, where exactly did you say that you're from? Or, sorry, I guess I did the numbers wrong, but is it, what did it say? It was 12, so it should be 21. Either way, it's still an extreme no. Anyway, math. Sorry, y'all. Anyway, uh, Tato looks at him and says, where did you say you were from again? And he eyes him very suspiciously. And then he says, you were one of those barbarians. You kept the shield from us. You're the ones who stole it from us. It was rightfully ours. We lost many in that battle. It was, Tato is clearly a little bit older. I lost. Well, who did he lose? Did he lose a friend or was it, or was it somebody more than that? Was it like a, a spouse or a child? So did he lose, a, it was just a friend, 50-50, Chaos Factor 3. 14. Uh, no, it was not a friend. So was it a spouse or a child? So we'll say it's a spouse. If not, it's a child. So was it a spouse? 50-50. Uh, let's see. Was it a spouse? 29. It's extreme. No. Okay. So. Or 29. Yeah, 21. Man, math. I just can't math on the podcast. I shouldn't. I shouldn't math on the podcast. Uh, it's just a big no. Yeah, so it's um, 19. But yeah, 19 is still an extreme, or is still a no, but it's not an extreme no. So yeah, it was um, it was unfortunately a child. He's, I lost my son in that fight. And now you are going to pay for his life. Now, I think he's an older person, so I don't think this is necessarily a dangerous fight for for Thorin, but maybe there's more than meets the eye here. Um, 
I think we're gonna use a table from Une here to see if we're missing something. We're gonna use the table from Une that um, goes into strength levels here. I don't remember what the R level is, we're just gonna use the, the middle of the road one. That's the default. Um, okay, so how powerful is Tato here? 100, 17. He is slightly weaker. Slightly weaker. Okay, so we're gonna give him just a D, maybe a D8 damage die. Um, and hit points, let's give him like, uh, let's see, he'll do D8 damage, and we'll say that he has um, no armor, um, and he has, uh, we'll just say, I don't know, 10 hit points, which is significantly weaker hit point wise, but um, you know, he might be, he might be kind of hard to hit. We'll see, because um, he, he probably has some tricks up his sleeve, I think. All right. Well, yeah. So there's certainly, a, certainly a fight about to break out here. Um, I think the first thing that uh, I think he is the one really who takes the initiative. There's no initiative rolls in Dungeon World. Um, I don't remember what, if I did much combat the last time we played Dungeon World, but um, it's all just in the fiction first. Uh, but I think the first thing that happens here, um, because of the nature of the rolls before, is that I think he's going to have to defy danger. Um, he's going to have to avoid a, a blow, uh, a hand-to-hand -hand blow from um, from Tato here. Uh, and so I think, you know, being the barbarian that he is, he's just going to try to brush it off with strength. Um, he's just going to try to block it um, with his arm uh, and his sword. So um, I think it's really going to be... Um, or it could be dex. It's not really powering through. I guess it is getting out of the way or acting fast in this case. Um, so yeah, we're going to say plus, plus dexterity. Um, she's okay at... It's a plus one, two to six plus one. It's a total of eight. Uh, on an eight to nine, you stumble, hesitate, or flinch. The GM will offer you a worse outcome, hard bargain, or ugly choice. Yeah, I think it's just a worse outcome. Um, I think that uh, he... Hmm. Okay, yeah. He's able to get out of the way of the blow, but the problem is he is now backed into a corner, into the corner of the cell. Um, and so in order to get around... Um, in order to get around him, he's, he's gonna have to fight his way through. Um, so his escape is closed, and I, I think Tato also, um, well, it wasn't a total fail, so I'm not gonna make it worse, but yeah, he's backed into a corner. Um, okay. I think at this point, um, yeah, at this point, I think Thorn, uh, yeah, that's the problem, is he's backed into a corner, this guy clearly wants to fight him, if he gets into a battle now, like he, he, he's gonna have to probably dispatch this guy quickly and get out of here, right? There's no way he's gonna make this deal. There's something crooked happening here. He wants to be able to get more information, sneak around if he can, I think. But this could, uh, this battle could, this fight could undermine the whole thing if it's not over quickly. Okay, well, I think he's gonna have to hack and slash. He's just gonna have to swing a sword and take care of this guy. Um, I don't think he's gonna try to kill him per se. We'll just say fictionally, I like think he's probably gonna use non-lethal damage. So he'll hit him with the blunt side of the sword. I don't think there's a mechanical implication for that in Dungeon World, and if if there is, I'm not aware of it, and so I'm not going to do it. Um, so I don't think he's going to try to kill him. So if he brings him to zero hit points, we'll just say he's unconscious, but I, I, I think he's going to have to try to do this quickly. So hack and slash. I mean, it is about dealing damage, but I think it's not lethal. So, um, so 2d6 plus strength, um, and I believe uh, this doesn't fall into one of my Herculean appetites, so my, my dice don't change. Um... Yeah, let's see. 2d6 plus strength, so plus 2. Okay, yeah, that is a 10. On a 10, you deal your damage and the, to, and the, uh, to the enemy and avoid their attack, but I could optionally do an extra d6 damage. I think I need this fight to be over as quickly as possible, so I'll take the damage if I can get this over quickly. So we're going to roll my d10 damage and an extra d6. So I'm able to do... Oh, terrible roll! Terrible roll. That is Snake Eyes. Wow. Just completely terrible. Alright, well, yeah. Two damage. And I'm still gonna suffer a D8 from. Watch, he's gonna roll max damage. A D8 from Tato. Three. Okay. Suffer three damage. Okay. Yeah, I think, um. 
Hmm. I gotta, what I have to know is, does he cry for help? I think he's so hell-bent on, on revenge that it's, it's unlikely. Um, in fact, I'm gonna say that it's very unlikely at this point that he calls for help because he's just so hell-bent on revenge. I don't think that thought really has, like he wants it for himself. It's not just like he wants to defeat this person. Like he wants the glory of defeating this person who's robbed, he thinks, something from him. Even though Thorin himself had nothing to do with it. He's too young to have done so. So very unlikely. Um, all right. That is eight. Um, very unlikely an eight is a yes. Okay. So he does call out for help. Um, so help is going to be on the way soon. So that is... Not good. Um, I'm gonna make like a little. Um, I'm gonna roll a timer. I'm gonna see how many. Like, um, I'm gonna have a d4. I'm gonna keep rolling it until I uh, roll a one. Um, and that's and, and I'm gonna do that every so often. And that's when help is gonna show up. Um, all right. So I think he's gonna have to. He's Thorn's gonna hack and slash again. Um, yeah. So I think the only thing he can do. Gotta try to knock this guy out quick and get the heck out of here because he's backed into a corner. He could try to fight his way out, um, but I think he's just gonna have to try to knock him out. I don't think he's smart enough to, to really do that kind of a thing. Um, not a tactician per se, he's just a brute. Okay, 2d6 plus strength. Oof, that's five, six, seven. So, fortunately, good thing I have a strength uh, modifier plus two. Okay. A seven, you deal your damage, but the enemy makes an attack against you. So, I roll my d10. Damage, come on, please do better. If I if I roll an eight or above, this fight is over. Ah, oh, five. Okay. Okay, a five. Oh, and I realized I should have taken one less damage last time because I do have one armor from my my uh, unencumbered, unharmed uh, move. Okay. He does his damage back, which is a D eight. It's not not bad. Um, he rolls a two, so I take one damage after armor. So armor is damage reduction. Okay, I'm gonna roll this d4, and reinforcements are gonna be here if I roll a one. Okay, roll a three. Reinforcements are not here yet. They're on the way, but they're not here yet. Okay, gotta try to end this fight, hack and slash. I, uh, you know what, I think maybe, maybe Thorne's gonna try to, yeah, well, he's gonna try to get out of from behind this corner, I think, for sure. I don't want to just keep hacking slash. I think he's going to try to uh, defy danger, try to avoid the blows to to uh, power through, power through him to get by, so he's not in this corner anymore. So two d six plus strength. Uh, that is a six. So that is a miss. I've got to do XP for the other miss. We're up to four XP. Okay. Yep. Okay. So he. That is a failure. So he's gonna take damage, um, and he's uh, also just not gonna get past him. So it's a no, and he's gonna take some damage. Seven, Whew, man, it's the wallop. So he ends up taking a six at the end of the day. Okay. All right, not looking good, man. This is this is what Thorin's supposed to be good at. He's supposed to be good at a fight here. Okay. Either way, 2d6 plus strength. He's just, he, it's the only way he's gonna get past this is just by knocking him out. 2d6 plus strength. Okay, that is a 10. So he's gonna do his d10 damage plus the d6. Try to end this fight. Okay, that'll do it. That is plenty. So finally, Thorin whacks him with the side of his of his great sword. Um, square on in the head, you can hear a wicked thunk. Boom. Now, what I want to know is, have reinforcements gotten here? It's a one. So he knocks out, uh, knocks out Tato, uh, and is about to sneak out when, however many, I'm gonna roll a d4. It's gonna be at least two. Okay, three. Then three acolytes show up. And that is where we're gonna end this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. I had no idea this was the turn it was going to take. Um, this is this is cool. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know what to say except for that. Uh, for one, uh, I'm just surprised at the twists and turns that things are taking. Two, 
Uh, I mean, Zap, good job on these tables, man. I mean, these, uh, I, I haven't even gotten into the game system yet. I do want to get into the game system, but you've got some great tables here. I'm hoping to use the places and the hazards you have in here as well. Really cool stuff. Really good tables. I love spark tables like that. The motivation, verb, coming up with NPCs like that. It's well done. It's a good package. Also, um, Goblin's Henchman. I, I, I'm going to keep going, I think, next time as well with this hex flower. I want to keep riding it out and seeing. I think this is a really cool um, way of introducing even more randomness into the chaos factor. And, you know, chaos factor just going up and down by one, you know, it's not as chaotic as this. Like, the chaos factor, like, things were going out of control, but the chaos has gone down for now. And yet, you know, things are, are spiraling out of control in a way, I, and that's very cool. So I will probably next time continue. I've written down which hex I'm on, um, and I'll probably continue using that in the next session. Thanks again for listening, y'all. Uh, if you know somebody who you think would enjoy the show, let them know. That's the really the I don't really do much on social media promotion anymore uh, because I think social media is terrible and I hate it. Um, it's just so negative all the time anymore. And so for my own health, I'm trying to stay off of it. So if, but if you think somebody would enjoy it, let them know. Um, that's how most people at this point are going to hear about the show. Um, feel free to call in on anchor or send in an email with the sound file. If you'd like to call into the show, um, you can also call in if you'd like to send a message that way. You can send an email, which is in the description. My email is in the description. Um, you can send a sound file. You can also just send the email. You can also send a sound file and say, Hey, I would rather not this this be published on the show, however you want to do it. Um, thanks again for our call-ins from Jason and from Zap uh, in Sweden. Um, yeah, it's just, it just, I love that people enjoy the show. That's the only payment I get for the show. It is a free show. It's always been free and it'll always be free. So yeah, join us next time on Subclass Act.